I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and we have we have just Eddie. It's Kevin Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Pinson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo, the Rover's Choice, and this is another podcast interview. And this is episode eight, season four. Now we have been all year long, at least to start the year, we have been focused on IRA and NCAA coaches. And we're getting into we're getting into some serious men and women here, people that have made coaching their entire career. We're talking with a two-time NCAA national champion, a four-time IRA champion uh, coach. This is Al Acosta, the head coach of University of Cal. The Bears, go Bears. I hear that all the damn time now, go Bears. But we're going to get into his background, how he went from coaching, or I mean, rather like rowing, like taking his first stroke, all the way to the, to the time of like winning all those IRAs, winning the NCAA championship. And then we're going to get further into, like after we get around that, right, we're going to de- get, dive deep into what does it take to be the bridesmaid and then be the bride, right? Like the person who's always, you know, always second, which was the situation for Cal for many years, and then becoming the winner. We're going to learn like what he learned and, and how he, what he did differently potentially in that season. And then we're going to dive really deep into the speed of women's rowing at the NCAA, NCAA level. It's not that it's getting plateaued. Oh, no, 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 no. Competition's getting fiercer. The speed's getting faster. It, it looks like an international U23 race every single year now. We're going to get into that. But first... Al, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Good to see you. Good to see you. So, Al, here we go. I asked the same question. How old were you and where were you when you took that first rowing stroke? I was 18 and it was, I think it was a while ago. So I think it was on the lagoon at UC Santa Barbara. Um, Yeah, so that would have been the fall of 87. So, so how that was fall of 87. Is this your freshman year of college? That would be my freshman year of college. Yeah. Now, are you a, a Cal California born and raised uh, person? I am. Yeah. I'm a, a Berkeley high grad. I grew up here in, in Berkeley and then uh, went away to Santa Barbara for a couple of years and then came back to Cal. No, I've had this conversation with a lot of people that grew up in California, those in that 80 time frame. Rowing, what was like, what was rowing like at the high school level in the late 80s when you were there? Right, right. Well, I didn't row in high school, but I do. I, I started coaching high school kids, I think, in 94. And uh, there weren't that many teams, maybe 12, 14 teams, something like that. Wow. And now, like, you know, in the Southwest Southwest region, there's like, I don't know, 30 teams, 40. No, no, no. It, it's exploded. So 87. Massive. Fall, UC Santa Barbara, like, how, did you just like bump into a boat? Like, how, how did you get involved with the sport? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was actually at Santa Barbara City College. That's, but we used the, the lagoon at UC Santa Barbara. Um, now just somebody, you know, Somebody recruited us. My neighbor, who was on the rowing team, um, you know, just ran into me and my roommate at, at, at the pool. And we're both like, I'm 6'5". My roommate was 6'3", or something like that. And he's like, hey, you guys should row. This is great. We have, we have great parties. We get like 50 kegs at all of our parties. And we thought, like, let's go. Um, it was not true, but it was a good way to get us to come to the first practice. And um, yeah, so there you go. I love what a what a brilliant model. Maybe that's the secret to recruiting college kids. Hey, man, we got parties all the time. We got 50 kegs. Let's do it. And then you're like, ah, oh, shit. No, that's actually not the case. Yeah, I saw I think I saw one keg of beer my entire freshman year. So I think it was a complete lie. The bait and switch model is absolutely the way to go. It's a great sales tactic. Um, no, you're, six, you're six five, so like you're you're a you're a big dude. That, that is that is perfect for rowing. Well, I'm tall. I'm tall. I don't, I don't know about big, but I'm tall. 
Yeah, I think I was I think I was six five, like one seventy nine or something like that. It took me it took me a few years to get to I don't think I got to two hundred pounds until my junior year in college. Wow. It was a, it was a momentous day when the scale tipped two hundred. That's a big it's a big moment for uh, any young college yeah. rower. Uh all right, so so like were you any good? I mean, like did you did you take to a quick or, or uh I mean I think I was good relative to the people that I was rowing with. <laughs> you know, I think uh you know, I played a bunch of different sports in high school, like you know, what a, you know, football, basketball, golf, tennis. So I had some skill, but uh, you know, obviously not super strong and the sport was new so you know relatively speaking to the folks around me i think i was decent but uh you know i think when we raced cal at the san diego crew classic my freshman year i think we lost by about 10 lengths of open water and that was in the first 500 meters so (laughs) (laughs) you know they were pretty good uh they were pretty good in the uh, late 80s all right did you so was there a moment when you when you found the team and you started like gelling and figuring it out that you fell in love with the sport? Like at what point did you say to yourself, man, this is this is it. This is my journey. Yeah. Um that, that's that's a good question. I don't I don't remember a specific moment. Um the sport just kind of grows on you over time. Um yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's, a, I don't have, a, I don't have a great answer for that. But um, you know, it definitely impacted my life, especially um, the first, the first two years. You know, going to City College, like trying to figure life out down there. Um, rowing was really impactful. Just cool, you know, really great coaching, um, really cool teammates, um, a whole new level of, uh, you know, obviously work and dedication and and i think that's certainly what i needed at that time of my life so who was um, the who was the head coach there in the in the late 80s at uh yeah well and at at santa barbara city college there was a guy named del hayes uh and a guy named roy sharp were you know helped run the team you know they were the coaches uh doug perez who was at uc santa barbara was kind of the the grandfather of rowing down there at the time um so it was a, it was a cool it was a cool community you know the 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 program no longer exists it's a, it's a, it's really hard to maintain a club sport like that um, the folks at UCSB do a great job you know it's a it's a it's a tall task to run that club program down there with the lake so far away from campus um, but uh, it's still the UCSB program still going strong so a lot of respect for what they do down there so you graduate what in 80 uh, 91 92 is like that is that when uh, you were it was yeah my last year rowing was 92 at cal and um i transferred i came here in 91 rode 91 92 mm-hmm. Who, like so so that's a that's a huge difference in in like team and speed between what you were doing at the city college and, and, and cal i mean what was like what was the most drastic difference other than being significantly faster yeah the, one of the most drastic differences is uh I remember going on a, on a training trip and the uh, head coach handed out per diem. <laughs> we're like, like what, what, why am I getting cash? This is amazing. <laughs> I came from a pro, you know, from a club sport where you have to pay for everything. And we did fundraisers like once a week and uh, you know, you come to Cal and it's like, uh, you know, they're giving you uh, per diem and, you don't so why, like why, why did you why did you go there what was that why did you why did you choose to go to cal like what was the you know what, what was the reasoning behind uh, that great you know great school great program um yeah there, i mean it was the obvious choice for me you know berkeley's a great town um you know the school's great so well i mean that it says was, so who who was the head coach in 91 92 yeah, so I had two, there were two head coaches in my time here. One was Bruce Bell. He's the guy, uh, Bruce Bell was the head coach and uh, Mark Zemsch was the freshman coach. Um, yep. I, I guess you could say Bruce recruited me. Um, 
and then there was a transition and Mark Zemsch took over and, and that was great. So you do, you do not like, so you graduate 92 and you said that you started coaching in 94, right? So you're coaching juniors in 94. Yeah. What, like, I, I like you're, I, I have this conversation with a lot of coaches that they had, they had a, a you know, their one, their major was an economics major. They were, they wanted to be a veterinarian and all of a sudden they jump into coaching and they just find it. So what was your career path? What were you trying to do in those nineties? Well, I can tell you how I got into, I was going to be a teacher and I was teaching middle school, uh, the year after I got out of college and I was driving, I had a convertible, like a little Fiat convertible and I'm driving on the freeway. I, th I think it was after school one day and this is, and I pulled up next to a friend of mine that I rode with who had a convertible and we're in bumper to bumper traffic. And, uh, I looked over and I said, Hey, Ted. And he's like, Hey, Al. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm coming back from, I'm coaching the Oakland strokes. And we're in the middle of like dead stop freeway traffic. And, uh, He's like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing after school at like three in the afternoon? You want to help coach? <laughs> yeah. I, I swear to God, this is like, it was, it was insane. And I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll help you out. And so we pulled over in downtown Oakland, got off the freeway. And, you know, this is before cell phones. And he's like, you know, give me your number. And so then I started helping him out and um, assistant coaching with him and and then he left the next year to go to uh medical school <laughs> and I, you know, so and i stuck around and coached the open strokes al i have this like i have this like funny image now with that story i have this image of you like in like a huge dude right like six five yeah. kind of a little bit too big for your fiat yeah listening to like pearl jam or red hot chili peppers and then <laughs> over there is like some guy like hey man you want to go coach crew screaming at all the people around you're like who are these freaks who are these guys you know i could just i could see it now yep do you remember what was pearl, on i, I mean tell pearl. me like you had to be listening to, you had to been listening to pearl jam or something right, right? like stone temple pilots no not 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 in oakland <laughs> Beat me, power power or something like that so all right so you uh you get this oakland job and uh at what point well, I mean, I, I guess you probably saw some success there, right? The junior level. What kind of what kind of success did you have coaching juniors? Uh, coaching juniors was great. Um, you know, the pro when I started the Open Strokes, um, the program was really small. I think we had like I want to say twelve varsity rowers. Something twenty varsity. Oh. Um, we had maybe 20, 20 varsity girls, twenty varsity guys, and a pretty small novice program, and a couple ergs in an old warehouse. So um, it was a great, it was a great introduction to coaching. Like, no expectations weren't super high. Um, there hadn't been a lot of success there and, you know, they were good in the late eighties. Um, but the, the program was kind of fledgling. Um, was very fortunate to, to like start there and get like a good influx of novice, talented novice rowers. Mm. Um, and this and whole time, this, this whole time you were also teaching, right? So you had that at least you weren't, you weren't, you, I mean, you were probably making a couple thousand dollars just coaching juniors, right? It wasn't really a yeah. career. Uh, yeah, I think we made a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> I was coaching uh, some masters in the morning at, on, on Lake Merritt for, for um, full hard cash, <laughs> a couple hundred bucks a week, maybe. <laughs> uh, and then teaching in the middle of the day and then, and then showing up the open strokes in the afternoon. Um, but no, the teams were, the teams got to be pretty good. I think uh, 96 or 97, 98, 99, the, we won a couple state championships, didn't lose some races for a while. Kids went off and made junior teams and um, the program as a whole, boys and girls started picking up 
some really strong momentum with really good leadership from our board of directors and some really cool parents and really solid fundraising. And um, I think we did a good job of uh, getting a really strong foundation for, for what the program is now, which is like 200 kids and it's, oh, yeah. They're huge. I mean, like Oakland Strokes is is a is a powerhouse. Um, so, at yeah. what point? At what point do you do do you tell yourself like I need to stop doing everything else I'm doing and go all in on coaching? Like, when does that transition? Yeah, yeah I do remember that point. I had a particularly rough day in middle school and uh, <laughs> teaching middle school, <laughs> and I showed up at the Strokes in the afternoon and. Uh, kids are rolling in and practice is starting. And I'm like, Hey, you know, take the oars down, take the launch engine down, take the launch down. We're going to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And things were just clicking. Kids are like excited to be doing what they're doing. And I just had this aha moment where I was like, Oh my God, like 90% of the kids in middle school don't want to be there. 90% of the kids that I'm coaching now want to be there. And it's way easier to coach people that want to be there. <laughs> yeah. And God bless teachers, but that's that's the hardest job in the world, you know, especially especially middle schoolers. I mean, I was I was a pretty awful middle schooler, so I can't imagine like you know thirty of me in a room. It would be miserable. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a challenging it's a challenging occupation for sure. So what do you, so how do you, so, okay, you have this aha moment and I, I totally see it, right? So many coaches experience it. The sun is out, the vibes are good. There's 60, 70 kids running around going crazy. You get on the water, you have a great practice. Like I get it, right? But how did you make that transition? Like what, what got you to have a livable salary and being in the sport of rowing? Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I was, I mean. I don't know how pertinent this is, but I was really fortunate to have uh, a place to live that I wasn't paying any rent, you know? <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? How did, my, how... my wife and I at the time were living in a giant house here in Berkeley that, um, you know, there was, a, there was an older woman who owned the house and she lived on the top floor and my wife and I were kind of caretakers of the house and we had, we didn't have to pay rent for for a little while i mean what how do i get that sign me up yeah, are you kidding me uh, it's i mean but it was it, it, you know very 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 fortunate i don't know how people come out and ha how young coaches can um you know afford to live it's it's very challenging and dedicate themselves dedicate a lot of their energy to to coaching it's really hard especially in the bay area yeah you gotta you have to be lucky you know, I, I, uh, I've traveled, I've traveled the world and California pockets of California. It's the only place that I've ever seen where people either live on couches or they live in million dollar homes, right? There's really <laughs> not much difference between living on a couch and living in a million dollar home and they're, and both sides are happy, right? Like both yeah. sides are happy. Yeah. No. I, yeah. You just get, yeah, you just got to get to California some way and <laughs> get here. You did it. So uh, when did you, when did you get to Stanford? At what point does that happen in your career? Yeah, that's 2001. Um, I got the, let's see, Craig Amerconian was that he had been the freshman coach at Cal. Um, I knew him, you know, well enough and, he became the uh, men's head coach over there and the director of rowing. And they asked him to start lightweight rowing. The AD said, I want to start a new program, lightweight rowing. And he called me up and I went over there and interviewed. And I was the guy that started, you know, they asked me to start the lightweight women's rowing program in Stanford. And uh, I remember one local coach was like, oh, I don't know. That's, I, I don't know if that's a good idea, Al. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, obviously not <laughs> whatever. It just kind of made sense to me at that point in my life. Like I had been with strokes for a long time. It was an amazing experience. Great. And then, um, you know, starting the, the lightweight team at Stanford was great as well. So what's wild to me is, uh, I, you know, you didn't, 
you found rowing very late in life compared to a lot of other you know, athletes. You didn't do it in high school. You did it for a, with a program that doesn't exist anymore. So it's not like you were part of this like elite squad of rowers. You, you were a middle school teacher that, that did some coaching on the side for a long time, right? Like you were doing this Oakland strokes yep. thing. And then fast forward, like 15 years and you win the IRA, right? So like, that's, that, that, that's a pretty rare thing, right? Yep. So you start the program in 01 and then you start winning like the IRA and being a national contender pretty much every year for a string of years. Where did you pick up your coaching skills? Where did you like, how, yep. how did all that come about? Like, how did, how did that grow? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very fortunate to be in the Bay area where there's a lot of great coaches. You know, I had a professor here at Cal who once said, uh, if you want to be an artist, go to New York, don't come to the Bay area. He's like, go to New York. Cause that's where all the good artists are. And, uh, during my, you know, the late nineties in the Bay area, you know, when I was figuring out how to be a rowing coach, there was, you know, Dave O'Neill was here at Cal. Steve Gladstone was here at Cal. My old rowing coach um, was still in the area, Mark Zemsch. Um, Tady would float around every once in a while. Mike Blackman would roll through. Sandy Armstrong at Marin was around. So it was really easy to um, go sit in somebody else's launch and hang out and chat and, um, and learn. That's uh, that seems to be the secret sauce, man. The secret sauce is getting someone's launch and just hang out for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I also had the good fortune of being on the Oakland estuary where, you know, Gladstone's crews were really good in the late nineties, early two thousands. And I was in his launch like once a week and wow. obviously learning from him, but also just having the opportunity to see, you know, some really good rowers, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now, yeah. now that's, it's starting to click with me a little bit here. Cause I, I, I couldn't figure it out, Al. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, where is it? This guy is so chill. He's so like relaxed. And I'm like, where did this guy get all these coaching skills here? Where, where yeah. is it? Barry uh, is a great place. Yeah. Great place for coaching. I don't, I don't know. How, I don't know how people do it. Like, you know, if you live somewhere where there's not high level rowing, I, I yeah, I have no idea how you figure it out. So. It's interesting. I, I, you know what it, 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 no, it's, you, you got, you got my brain sparking here, Al. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about that string of, of IRA championships, right? So you got these lightweight girls, lightweight rowing is, is, I mean, it's competitive everywhere. It doesn't matter. Men, women, uh, the margin is really tight, always tight. Um, what was the vibe like? What was the energy like in the boathouse every day, you know, building this incredible program? Yeah, well, it started it, when I first started there. The the athletic director had the idea that the program was going to be um, comprised of only walk-ons. We weren't going to do any recruiting. So, I don't know how many years we did that with with only walk-ons at Stanford, and there were uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> there was a there was a wide uh, level in abilities with the walk-ons, and then. That AD left and we got, um, I don't know, the new AD rolled in. I said, hey, I need, I need to recruit like five kids a year. And he's like, all right. <laughs> some, some, it was some, some version of that. Uh, and then we started getting some talented kids and combining that with um, some talented walk-ons. Um, yeah, no, a lot of, you know there's a lot of really good teams at Stanford and these kids wanted to be like any of the other really good teams at Stanford, you know? So that's kind of how we treated them. And that's kind of the vibe that we tried to, um, yeah, build on a daily basis. So. So your biggest, your biggest block of years was that 2010, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. IRA, you know, flying, flying East coast, get on the Camden river, you know, and, and just absolutely crushing it. Um, but then in 13, at the end of that season, you pick up and you go to Cal right. and you go on the heavyweight women's side. Like why, why that move? Right. So why, why leave this string of IRA championships to go to Cal? What was the decision? Right. There? right. Um, 
I mean, this job, the Cal job doesn't come open very often. So, so uh, it was kind of right place, right time. You know, the job is open. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity to go back to a school that you love and a place that you love. And um, yeah, so I was just very fortunate to be um, right place, right time, ready to go. How did uh how did how did your team how did Stanford take the the news like what did, and and where and how did you break it to them? Oh yeah that, yeah, that wasn't very fun. Um, it, it, and it was you know it was weird. It came over the summer, so it was a lot. It was kind of I was able to have some individual conversations with some kids. Um, yeah, no, that wasn't fun. Who was uh who was your assistant? Who were the assistant coaches with you at that in 2013 at Stanford? Oh, <laughs> uh, Maggie Cheek. Yeah, she stuck. She stayed there. Yeah. Prior to that uh, was Maddie Davis, who is um, uh, now at uh, Boston University. Yeah. So when you got to so when you got this leads into my first like, you know, my first topic here. So you get to Cal and at the time, Ohio State was the dominating team, right? They're winning the team points trophy at NCAA. And you were the you were the bridesmaid, and I say you, I mean the collective. The Cal, Cal was the bridesmaid for three or three or four straight years, or whatever it was. What what did you do differently? What did you notice, or what did you learn from those experiences to get to that first place? Because I listen, having watched women's rowing now for a little bit and talking to some coaches, like it's crazy competitive, like insanely competitive. So what what happened in that time? uh what happened some really got a bunch of really good athletes and in, in that uh what was it the fall 2014 class the freshmen that showed up some super talented <laughs> some super talented kids i mean that's you know i i don't think we did anything dramatically differently um i think we just had some, I mean, this is, it's, it's such a weak answer, but we just had a lot of really talented kids, hardworking kids, kids that were, you know, excited about, you know, the possibilities and trained like that on a daily basis. So, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I, I know rowers tend to be, um, we tend to, we tend to be not egomaniacs, right? A lot of rowers are just really humble and, you know, but, Come on, dude. Like, let me pull this out of you a little bit because it, it can't just be great coaches, right? There has to be, there has to be something with your training program, your the way you the way you manage the team to go from getting second year after year to then winning and, and doing it in such a short period of time. I mean, you were only there for two years and then you win the national championship. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Ohio State just got slower. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're the same. No, I. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, 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 you know this one kind of story that I tell the kids every once in a while. I had a kid that I coached in high school years ago, and he was really good rower, junior team medalist, goes off and strokes a really good collegiate varsity eight, rows on the senior team, and and one summer he he comes back from training with the senior team. And uh, we're having a barbecue at his house. Like, oh, you raced the senior world championships. Amazing. I'm like, hey, tell me about, like, like what did you guys do? And he's like, eh, he's kind of thinking about it. I'm like, okay, like two weeks before the senior world championships, like, what did you guys emphasize? He's like, eh. he didn't have an answer. And he's, I, I'm like, okay, the, de the night before the senior world championships, what did the coach say to you to, like, you know, what did you guys like what that I can take away that I can use? Sure. And the kid is just like, he's like, you know, it's all pretty much the same, Al. It's like we just don't screw up as much. And he didn't say screw up. He used a different word that yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. So I guess the point being is that like I think our training was pretty much the same. It was just a higher level. We had better kids that were that just 
I, I mean, it sounds kind of stupid to say that they didn't screw up as much, but they trained really hard at it and had really high standards. And, you know, that nothing, I can't, I can't, I swear to God, I can't really think of any, anything unique that we did between 14 and 15 or between 15. Here's the scenario, Al. We got a lot of people that listen to this podcast, right? And I get a lot of high school coaches that listen to this podcast and they're wait, they're like, okay, Alex is going to ask this question, right? And you hit me with, I don't know, we really didn't screw it up that much. I mean, that's, you know, we're, these guys, these men and women out here are looking for maybe not the, not the golden gun, right? Not the golden bullet, but um, you, so you're telling me there's there, nothing changed other than the quality of athlete and the training on their own shoulders in those years. Yeah, I, I mean, act, you know, phenomenal leadership from the seniors from the kids uh and it was really really hard to make the four and it was really hard to make uh the second eight like the the battles that the kids went through to get into those boats uh you know i mean it, obviously it's hard to make the varsity eight but um it was really hard to make the four and it was really hard to make the second eight. Um, and the, you know, the process of, you know, going through the battles and, and whatnot and the selection and the training throughout the year, kids realizing that like, you know, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to make the second eight or really hard to make the four. Like, I mean, I think you could say, you know, that kind of drove the program that year. And that's until... uh, always the case. Sometimes you have a, first eight a second eight and a four that kind of come together um and the kids realize that like they're going to be in that boat and they think they're training really hard but you know maybe they're not so you know i i up until this year i i will say i was a bit naive um and ignorant with women's rowing i've, I've spent the last oh gosh um 15 years of my career focused on the high school level, right? Understanding high school rowing, understanding the, the men's IRA. And then it, I, I, when I heard someone that say, well, they won the, they won the NCAA. It's, it's not just winning the women's eight. It's actually the team's points trophy, which means everybody collectively did really well. That is, that is extremely challenging, right? Finding a way to make three boats nationally competitive. It's uh, I have so much more respect than than ever with the way men and women coach NCAA rowing it's a lot harder and then you win again what in, in 2018 19 you win it again right 18 yeah 18 so you win it in 16 you go you know two more years you win it again in 18 um what what was um uh, I don't want I don't want to alienate any of your rowers here but like was 18 sweeter than 16? Was 16 the sweetest? Like which, which, which year uh, was your favorite year? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, you're going to say, I know you're going to say, Al, I can already, ready? You're going to say, well, you know, I have kids. So it's like, I love you both equally the same. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now 2017, man, that was my favorite team. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I can't, I, that, I can't answer that question there obviously both unique in their own right um yeah that's, that's this is silly this is a silly question because I, I i don't know much about this these squads like were there any girls in the 16 boat that were in the 18 boat as well were there anybody in those two of those teams oh yeah yeah like a, like yeah. a majority of them right yeah uh not the majority of them but there were kids from like you know that were in the in the in the second eight or in the four that you know went on and made the first eight or uh yeah, no, kids from the, couple kids from the 16-8 were in the eight, yeah, oof, I can't, I can't do, I can't do this, man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago, yeah, I forgot COVID, yeah, let's, let's, let's blame COVID. Yeah, no, there were, no, there were, certain, there were, there were plenty of kids from the 16 team that were, um, you know, on the, on the 18, on the 18 team as well, so. So, all right, so, in yeah. since then, since then, I know Texas has won it back to back right 20 didn't exist for yeah. the championship so there really is it's it's just so who won it in 2019 who won the points trophy in 19 
Um, University of Washington. Oh, okay, UW. So between you, Cal, uh, you, you, Cal, UW, and Texas, in these four or five years, the speed just seemed to be getting faster and faster and deeper. What, what, what do you, what do you uh, account that to be? Like, what, what are, what's, why is that happening, or what do you think is the is the reason behind all of these incredible uh, speed differences in these years? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one, one boat that's gotten like way faster is the four. The four. Like if you know how fast the four, I mean, obviously the first eight and the second eight have gotten faster, but the four is just like light years faster than it was, you know, however many years ago. Um, yeah. It's better recruiting, better, you know, higher standards. You know, you got to break. It used to be like you break 610 and you're going to win the first eight. Now, I don't know. <laughs> so you might win, but, you know, you might not. Um, what was that? You know, the guy, the story about the guy that uh, he, he was it Bannister, the guy who broke the four minute mile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bannister. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like no, like people thought he was gonna die if he broke the four minute. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. It's a bunch of guys that were close to breaking four minutes, and then he does it, and then within two years, like now kids are breaking four minutes in high school. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I don't know. It's like once these standards get set, people people want to you know meet those standards so you got this so you got this um okay so so on the ira men's level we've been we've been hearing a lot about just so many more international recruits what's the percentage of athlete at the women's level being recruited internationally versus nationally like how many international women on average are coming in uh to these teams every year right that's uh, i think you know we might bring in a class of like 15 every year and we might have um, three or four internationals per class of the of the fifteen. So, so yeah. So it's 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 actually lopsided, right? It's it's the other way around for women's rowing than men's. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak to men's rowing really. Um, I think you also got to look at like the rosters of the people that are racing at NCAs on the women's side. Yeah. There's a lot of international rowers for sure. Well, let's, let's, uh, yeah. with, with that in mind. So with that in mind, right, let's talk, I want to talk about the difference of standards between the early two thousands when you were at Stanford and then today, like how, like what you're looking for in a recruit. So you look at, you look at, I look at men's rowing and I, and I, Again, I said I'm I'm, na- I'm naive to women's rowing. I, I don't know enough, right? So, right. what are the standards now in your top level recruits at Cal? Like, what are you looking for in a rower? Uh, yeah, cool kids, smart kids, <laughs> tall, strong kids. Um, I can't I can't really point to one thing, but um, what's like a what's a top. what's an erg what's an erg average? You know, what's a what's a I'm not saying a, a ceiling, right? Like, but what, what are you looking yeah. typically for in a window? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, the kids that are getting the, the larger scholarships are down around seven minutes. Um, there's a handful of kids and, you know, around 710. There's a, you know, I think probably the majority of the recruits, if you have a class of 15, there's a lot of kids around in the high teens, like around 720, low 720, something like that. So, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Now, like what were the standards like 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's an interesting question. I think, um, the kids that were, I think there's a lot, there's a lot more kids in like around seven, 10, seven in that seven, 10 to seven, 15 range. There's a lot more kids in that range, I think, than there used to be. You know, I think 
you know, certainly, certainly there's a lot more kids in the low 720s and so on and so forth, but it's, it seems like there's more kids in the, in the 710, 12, 13, 14 range than there used to be. So when you're, so when you, when you, when you put an eight on the water, like the women's varsity eight, they're launching for the NCAA championship. What's, what's that boat average look like? Is this like a 640s, 650s, 2K erg average type crew, or um, are they still in the low sevens? Yeah, let's see. We've had, uh, in 2018, we had uh, anywhere from 6.30 to 7.04. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that, that 6.30 is, you know, there's not, there's not too many of them in, in, on the planet Earth, so. <laughs> who, uh, who pulled 6.30 in 2018? Uh, Dana Moffat was a 6:30, and Julian Farleish was a 6:31. I mean, so. they 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 must look like superheroes. You know what I mean? Like just like unbelievable specimens, just incredible athletes. Yeah, uh, to a certain extent. I mean, if you don't know them, if you know them, they're just just regular people. They're just normal people. <laughs> so. you know, I. I I have a, I have a fun story about Brooke Mooney. She didn't row for you, right? She was at Washington. Um, but we were walking down the path at Stotesbury, you know, in Philadelphia and we were next to each other and a 15 year old girl comes running up almost in tears, like couldn't hold her, couldn't catch her breath. She goes, Oh my God, you're Brooke Mooney. Um, you're my hero. And this girl knew exactly what her 2k was, you know, and, and just said, can I please have a photo? And Brooke was like, of course, you know, and they take this photo and this girl was like shaking. And, uh, and I, and I knew, like, I knew right then and there, I'm like this, this, this woman, this person, she's a superhero. Like she's a, she's a, a, a champion among champions. And, and having now watched some of those collegiate women's eights, like I'm watching these, like, they're incredible. They're way different athletes you see today than they were back in the early two thousands and, and, you know, 2014 and 15, um, it's massively important for the, the, the future of the sport, but it's also so cool. Like I, I, I'm like wondering as a, as a collegiate coach, like how the hell do you compete in today's world in women's rowing? Like, it's so hard. It's gotta be so, so hard. And to win back to back, like Dave O'Neill did. I mean, Holy cow. How do you, how do you take down that guy? How do you take down Texas? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, there was a time when, you know, everybody's like, oh, my God, Ohio State's never going to lose. You know? Sure. Yeah. Like they won three in a row. Yeah. But, oh, it's unfair. Ohio State. Like, they're, <laughs> they're, all, they're, they're oh, my God, nobody's ever going to be Ohio State. And then, you know, and I'm sure prior to that, you know, you know, people felt the same about other crews like Cal, the the cow men and when they won four in a row when they won the iras four times in a row, oh my god nobody's ever going to beat cow sure. or, and then harvard men won whatever three in a row oh nobody's ever going to beat harvard like you know they did <laughs> they did now there's yeah. um is is so, there a lot of pressure though is there so i you know i i hear this a lot from from coaches the collegiate level is there a lot of pressure from your administration, from your coaches, from your alumni for, for Cal to be back up there and win again? Like, is it, do you feel that pressure as a coach? <laughs> it's no greater than the pressure I put on myself, Alex. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I feel the pressure. I feel more uh, support than anything else. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to win. And, but I think, um, and people are willing to to do whatever it takes to win here. So I feel I feel well supported by the alums and by the administration. And um, yeah, so um, there are a lot of driven folks around here, and people do put a lot of pressure on themselves. But uh, yeah, so no, I mean, external pressure, nah, not not particularly. Now, so you share a boathouse. 
right? With the men, right? You guys share the same, same boathouse coming off a very successful IRA championship, right? I like, is the, is the, is the, what's, what's the, what's the boathouse vibe right now? Like, is it, is it women, the women's time now? Like, is, is it that kind of feeling like, all right, well, the men did it when men are probably going to do it again next year, right? The strong likelihood that they're going to win again. Um, it, are you having those conversations at all? Is that even being said? No, we just train to show up, bro. Train. <laughs> it's great though. No, the, the, I think the men and the women get along great. Scott and I, you know, the, the, the coaching staffs get along great. Um, I think we're all very supportive of, you know, what we're trying to do here. And um, we definitely, you know, cheer for each other. I think uh, it was cool to hear about, uh, I think the men, like when we were racing at the, at the NCAAs last year and our varsity eight is like, we had a, we had a nice second thousand and, um, you know, the men had, were wrapping up practice and they stopped and watched our race and we're, we're pretty fired up for the way we finished. Um, so no, a lot of, there's a lot of good energy at the boathouse. Yeah. People, people want to do well and, and people cheer for each other. So yeah. And now cool for, for next year, I mean, how, how are, how, how are you feeling right now with, with the, the staff, the team, the energy? I mean, is this a, what's your, what's your feeling for NCAA next year? <laughs> Feel great. Feel great. No, uh, <laughs> here's uh, they're, they're really cool. We've had, you know, that the, our team got, you know, the, the year where we had to came, when we came back from COVID that we had a, we were only allowed to train like kind of the end of January through the end of the spring. We didn't mm -hmm. get to train the fall. I think that took a lot out of the team. That was a, 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 a difficult thing to come back from. Um, so I think we're finally done with that. And, uh, the, the training has been great. Yeah. Really cool team. And, uh, a couple new coaches, uh, Kirsten Gerard is here and Patty Buck and they're great. Um, you know, Adrian Martelli, our associate head coach is, um, I think this is her fourth year. She's, um, you know, she's, she's phenomenal. Uh, so it's been, a I don't know, the vibe's good. Team's good. I mean, you know, I, I, I want to ask this last question, but I don't know if I'm going to get it out of you. You're such, you're such a California relaxed guy. Uh, and I know like as a coach, you don't want to like predict anything, but um, I'm just going to ask and you tell me, I don't want to ask that, answer that question. Like, what is the, what are the top, what do you think the grand final is at NCAA next year? What's your prediction on who those eights are? Cause you know, Penn, like right now, Penn, I had this talk with, uh, with some coaches yesterday they're like, Penn's the team to beat, man. This team is, is, is real fast. The vibe is good. The energy is good. Um, as a coach at this level, like, are you keeping your eye out for everybody? Are you, are you paying attention? Or are you very much like, I don't care about them. I'm only focused on us. Yeah. I'm mostly, I'm mostly concerned with uh, practice that starts at four o'clock this afternoon. I like that. <laughs> about 99.9% .9 focused on that. And then we kind of go from there so and whatever else happens yeah it doesn't yeah i don't yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> focus on my team focus on uh you know yeah practice that starts at four o'clock this afternoon and go from there all right well then i because i i want to give i want to give some of these people tuning in like some some really good stuff here and and, and uh i want to know like your training plans, your focuses, right? You know, you, you asked the guy, you asked that rower, what'd you guys do the two weeks leading up, the three weeks leading up to the championship? So um, what's, what's the focus right now in January? Like what, what's, the, what's the main focus with your team right now for the first two or three months of this spring season? Right. Uh, well, we just, we came back and uh, we had two weeks of training before school started. Um, that's our winter camp basically um and we went through some hellacious um rainstorms i don't know if you've heard about them California. I, yes yes so uh we snuck in some rows did a lot of kind of very basic land training erging and um whatever biking and running and but not a whole lot of rowing because of the the crazy weather and then uh we've been 
we, we do eight hours of training. We do two weeks of where we're only allowed to train for eight hours a week. Uh, we have some voluntary rows in there, but uh, most of that training is just, you know, erging, running, biking, stairs, lifting, um, just your normal land-based stuff. And then on Monday, we get back in our 20 hours a week of training and go back into the eights and try to remember how to row again, try to row even eights for as long as we can and um, just kind of see where we're at. I think uh, first two weeks of February, just see what the team looks like, but just basic training, nothing. <laughs> so there, there, there's nothing fancy going on at Cal. No, uh, when, uh, not in February. No. So when's your, uh, when's your, when's your first race, Al? What, when's the, when's the kickoff season? Uh, UCLA is going to come up here on the 11th and do a practice with us. That should be cool. I, is that, I, is that February, February 11th or March 11th? February 11th. Yeah. But I don't even know. I don't even know what that practice is going to be. Maybe some pieces. <laughs> but that's just kind of a whatever scrimmage. Uh, our, I think our first real race is the San Diego Crew Classic, you know, April 1st, April 1st and 2nd. And that's, I do know who's coming to that. <laughs> that's going to be a, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, who's, Texas, who's, come, who's, who's coming to that one? Texas, Washington, Stanford, you know, USC, UCLA. It'll be oh. a, It'll be a real race. So and what, and, and, and like, when is that? What weekend is that? April 1st and 2nd. Same April 1st and 2nd. Oh, well, you know what? I got to go. I got to go. I got I got to watch the fastest uh, teams in the country. Al, I had, uh, I, I started this thing being like, what am I going to talk with this guy? And then, and we had that conversation before the interview started. And then like, I learned quite a bit here and I, I really enjoyed it. And, and on, on the eighth episode, we're talking to Cal. We're talking to the team that won the championship twice, IRA four times. Uh, for, I, I mean, like, I, like, I want to ask you million questions, but you know what, like, I love about you is like, you're so chill. Like you're not, uh, <laughs> you're really relaxed. You're not a lot of rowers that I talk to are type A and like, they want to dive into things, but you have a very relaxed uh, demeanor with yourself. And I appreciate that. And I'm, and I'm assuming that your athletes really enjoy that aspect of you. Is, is, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think uh, <laughs> there are a lot of type A rowers and that's great. So it's good. It's good, it's good for uh, to have a little uh, balance, you know, you know, so you no, know, there it is. There it is. Well, this is episode eight, season four. And we talked to a two-time national champion and look out for Cal Bears. They, they got something good happened in the boathouse. Men took it last year at the IRA. Women looking strong this year. Um, you, the first major race, the one to really tune into everyone listening, April 1st and 2nd, you're going to see some of the fastest women in the world competing. Uh, Al, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate today's podcast. Great. Thanks a lot, Al. Appreciate it. All right. See you, everybody.